station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie producer, <laughs> Melissa that Kersher. Hello. I expected better of you. You know, honestly, <laughs> with this movie, it actually works really well, so I do not feel bad. I thought about this ahead of time, and I felt I'm good with it. You, you planned this. Yes, you, I did. Oh, my I God. I thought about it ahead of time. And we are also joined... Oh, no. ...by our, our, our semi-regular co-host... Movie contributor. Oh, not not accountant. Uh, not accountant. Not no. accountant. No. Bar, Barb Lind. Hello. Hello. Because the whole idea she doesn't know as much as the accountant. Uh, the contributors don't know. That's ah, uh, so, okay. that's true. That's so, true. So you're the accountant. I'm the accountant. Oh, yes. I'm hysterical. So. <laughs> tell yourself that. We are we are here we are here to uh, discuss the producers. Yes. We're going to watch the producers and discuss the producers. So, Barb. The, the original. The original. The original. Producers. So, 1967. Barb. 1967. 1967. The year I was born. Uh, is the I year you're old. Yeah, I am. So, the movie uh, The movie's called The Producers. Barb, would you mind telling us what you know about The Producers? Uh, so, uh, I have seen the Nathan Lane Matthew Broderick one. The musical the adaptation musical of adaptation. The Producers, yes. Wait, is the original not a musical, too? I'm not saying anything. <sighs> okay. Um, so I saw it like when it came out. So it's been a lot of time since then. Mm-hmm. The only thing I remember is the uh, Springtime in Deutschland song. <laughs> Springtime in Deutschland song. <laughs> Springtime for in Hitler. Yes. yes. In Germany. Yeah. So. Um, dun, 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 dun. I mean, realistically, that's all I know. That's all you know. All right. Is there is a song. It's been a really long time. Springtime in Deutschland. And there's a movie starring Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick called The Producers. Mm-hmm. And this is not that. Right. Okay. Yes, uh, th- that is accurate. This is not that. Uh, the musical The Producers was written by Mel Brooks, who, interestingly enough, also wrote and produced The Producers and directed the producers that we're going to watch now. You said the musical, the producers. So does that mean that this one is not a musical? You see, that's something see, that that's I, a. Hmm. I don't feel like I can answer that. I, I feel like you just need to watch the movie. Uh huh. Okay. You need to immerse yourself in the experience that is the producers. Uh, <laughs> you're you're so very dour about this. This I, is amazing. I, 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 well, my yeah, I, I've been singing and my voice is kind of it's it's reached that sort of deep. Deep kind of are, raspy. Are, are you raspy like nature. auditioning to be the new host of Coast to Coast now? And, I hope so. Or something like. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be great. Uh, that would be I, great. I'll call dibs on being a guest then. If you if you swing that gig. Okay. <laughs> I'll call you up if it if it ever if that ever happens. It's a commitment I feel I can make easily. So <laughs> quick, uh, quick, view some UFOs. <laughs> so the producers is a comedy. It, it is, is. It is indeed a comedy by Mel Brooks, as I said, directed and uh, written and produced mm-hmm. by Mel Brooks. Basically his first film uh, of, uh, of note. Of note. Okay. Of yeah. note. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he will produce uh, many more films of note uh, in the future, which yeah. actually we are going to 
going to take a little bit of a trip through some Mel Brooks films uh, over the next few episodes. And we're starting with the producers because it's really the point where uh, Mr. Brooks burst onto the map. In 1967. Yes. Which is the year I was born, as we discussed yes. earlier. Yes. So the right. same year I burst onto the map. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry for your mother. <laughs> I'm imagining your mother with the chest burster with your that... face on it. <laughs> I, I Hello, my baby. Hello, exactly. my honey. Yes. That's what I imagine. His little head you know, on top of a, a no, alien body. No, 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 no. He pops out with a we, patron. <laughs> we haven't we haven't actually watched Alien yet, so I'm I'm I fear some of our we listeners. We watched Aliens. I know, but it's not the same. I know it's not. We gotta watch Alien. We too, do you've but... seen space balls. All right, anyway. <laughs> I'm hey, are, I'm staying consistent with the Mel Brooks theme. Yes, I you are. It. We are going to go off. We yeah. are gonna, we are going to go off. We are going to watch uh, the producers, and we're going to come back and, and I'm talk tell about you it. Whether or not it's a musical. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's going to be your job. Yep. All right. We'll be back. And now it's springtime for Hitler and Germany. Deutschland is happy and. They didn't kill the actors, right? I mean, that's, right. that's the important thing. All I mean, right. ideally. Well, nobody got hurt. Not That me. we know of. And we are back. Many little old ladies have been seduced. Many people have been shocked by a depiction of Hitler most of us thought would never occur. And we have watched The Producers. Yes. So, Barb, this it is, is your... not a musical. It is not a musical. Well, but there I, are I songs. Mean, there, is, there are songs, there is but music. it's not a musical. The, the, I mean, the springtime for Hitler number is copied almost shot for shot yes. in from from one movie to the other. Well, almost. it's it's vastly expanded in it the It is, musical. yeah. They, yes. they made it longer in the musical because that's the sort of thing that only gets better with length, I guess. <laughs> yep. uh, so anyway, Barb, what did you think of The Producers? I really liked it. A, okay, so you have Baby Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Baby Gene Wilder. Yay. Just like... Yeah, he like twelve. I mean, he's not actually twelve. I know, but he he's he's like twenty something. Yeah, he he is young. He's he's, he's not yeah. he's not yet bald. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, I he, love Gene Wilder, so I didn't know that he was in that, so I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like, yay! Um, <laughs> when I saw that come up on the um menu screen, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, it was a delight. I I really enjoyed it. I kind of want to go back and watch it again now. Yay! <laughs> just because, I mean, I like Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. you know, because why not? He's ridiculous, and then some, and then he does crazy things, and then serious things. and um, Yeah, I would, it was good. Yay! <laughs> so glad you liked it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it is uh, good. I believe, now I would have to go back and read it again, uh, Roger Ebert wrote about this movie in his Great Movies he did. Uh, column. And I believe that his he referred to this as the funniest movie ever made. <laughs> I did not reread his his article and I, I need to go look that up as as we're conversing about other things but uh, uh I don't know if I would agree with that uh, because I believe that that humor is largely subjective so right. yes. I imagine yeah. that that if Roger Ebert said it was the funniest movie ever made what he would mean is that to him it was indeed the funniest movie ever made it is a a very funny movie and I think um one of the things that's that's kind of central to this film, and one of the things that uh, Mel Brooks took a lot of flack for mm-hmm. uh, is uh, Mel Brooks, of course, is Jewish, mm-hmm. and he made this movie in which he just skewers Hitler with satire. I mean, yeah. he just makes all the fun of Hitler, and uh, that was not a popular thing mm-hmm. among the Jewish community in America when when this film came out. It was. Uh, roundly criticized. Yeah, it was kind of it kind of felt like Hitler was Voldemort, you know, how you don't how do you take that lightly, yeah. you know? Yeah, you know it was almost like this you can't make fun of Hitler mm-hmm. because he was just too evil. Too terrible. Yeah. Um and and um Mel Brooks' response to this critique was basically, yes, he was too terrible, so the only way to truly get revenge on him is to turn him into an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a, a compelling. I, I, it worked yeah. pretty well. Well, there, there, there's a and there's kind of a precedence for this. In um, there was a movie in the 1940s called "To Be or Not to Be," which Mel Brooks later remade in the 80s. Um, a wonderful movie with. Uh, a, a great cast, but it was made during wartime. But the whole tactic was also to make fun of the Germans. And that was another movie that like this one sank like a stone when it was, when it was released because it just, because people didn't understand. I mean, the the Germans are doing these awful things. How could you take that lightly? But the whole reason these, those two movies exist is just to, we have to empower ourselves to laugh at these figures and make them silly so it never happens again mm-hmm. because treating it seriously gives it weight and power. He gives Hitler more power than he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, essentially what Mel Brooks was saying is comedy is my medium. Mm-hmm. I cannot paint Hitler in any medium, but that which I, I work in, which is mm-hmm. comedy. And it is the it is the medium of which he is most deserving, is almost is almost his his perspective on it, mm-hmm. that uh, Hitler does not deserve to be anything but the punchline to a joke and almost the punchline to every joke. Well, I mean, even uh, before making this movie, before he even knew what this movie was and started writing it, uh, he kind of had this running joke as he was working in the entertainment industry. Whenever somebody would ask him, what are you working on next? He goes, I'm going to write a thing called Springtime for Hitler. And everybody's like, what? (laughs) Yeah, didn't you know Hitler was a wonderful dancer? (laughs) And he would just, like, go off on this. It was a bit he'd do just to get 
these shocked looks on people. And eventually he just kind of started thinking, well, maybe I'll do this as a play. Well, maybe not. Maybe that wouldn't work as a play. And eventually he landed on making it as a movie. And that's how mm-hmm. he launched his film career. Up until this point, he was working in TV, like primarily as a writer for Sid Caesar. And uh, he had a pretty good, um, pretty good TV career. But you know, this was his shift to movies, and uh, there are stories about him clashing with Zero Mostel on set because he was used to working on TV pace, you know, light it fast, get it oh. done, get it done. And Zero Mostel was like the veteran on the set going, no, 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 this is how you have to light a scene. So, and and yeah. Mel Brooks. Yeah, Brooks, I mean, he's he's been a filmmaker. He is still a filmmaker. Uh, to this day, uh, mm-hmm. with some good movies under his belt and some others. <laughs> um, he but, he produced uh, Solar Babies. He did. He did. But he uh, he, he produced. Hey, hey. I mean, not Solar Babies can be you know like a home run. And this so. and and Solar Babies was not. Yeah. Oh my God! No. But the producers uh, indeed uh, was a home run at the time and sort sort of allowed him to continue to make well, movies. It, it, you know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't didn't, necessarily the most popular film of the day. No, no. It actually didn't do real well immediately upon release, but the 16mm prints circulated uh, like on college campuses, and that's how the oh. film kind of got its uh, got its kind of historical cachet. Which so is also almost, a good thing because the negative was destroyed. Yes, it was. So Really? Yeah. Uh, basically everything that you, you see comes from the 16 millimeter prints <laughs> that were circulating college campuses. I, th- I think they just had a decent positive and then they kept that as the archival copy. But yeah, the negative is gone. Gone to the annals of, of history. Yeah. Or, or whatever it is. Roger Debris makes history. <laughs> I've got the musical on my brain, which I do. I also adore the musical. I've, um, I actually haven't seen the filmed version of the musical, but I've seen the musical on stage, and of course, I own the the Broadway recording, and I adore that version of this. But right. I'm amazed. This is the f- first time in recent memory I've gone back and and revisited this movie, and. I'm amazed how much of the dialogue in this movie was converted directly into the songs of the musical. And another thing, now, Mel Brooks had some training as a musician. He actually... Oh, the music in this thing is amazing. Yeah. He... And he wrote the music for the musical as well. Yes, he did. But he can't actually write music. He actually hummed into a tape recorder and somebody else transcribed it. But uh, he was (laughs) trained as talent. Yeah. Whoever's like getting the tape recorder to be able to like do that. Yeah, I can't remember. That is off to you. I didn't. I I keep forgetting the name of his composer, but the same composer worked with him until like the 1990s on all of his movies. But yeah, when they were collaborating on making the soundtrack for this, especially for the Springtime for Hitler song, uh, they were having apparently just a great time. Okay, how do we make it bigger and more obnoxious? No, go bigger. Bigger and more obnoxious. More, 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 more. Why do we have everybody form a swastika and march in a yes. circle? Yes, which is a brilliant thing. Oh, my God. Seeing the stage production of the musical, they bring down a giant mirror and tilt it towards the audience so you can actually see the, the dancing swastika. Now, uh, it's amazing. As we're, as we're having no, the this. staging of the musical is freaking brilliant. 
brilliant. As we're having this conversation, Barb, I think it is important that I point out, in case you were not aware, that the movie we watched immediately preceding this film, here on A Real <laughs> Education, was Schindler's List. So, so, uh, so... <laughs> Those I, just, are, those... I just want to point out that I am no way, shape, or form responsible for uh, the order or anything. <laughs> no, right. no, 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 no. We, right. you we have, are responsible. You have for nothing those. to do with. Them. You have nothing to do with the programming. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, no, no. That, nope. So we went from Schindler's List, which is one perspective on Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. to the this producers, which is another perspective. I mean, what's interesting is we're spending all this time talking about uh, the perspective on Hitler, and certainly that is part of this movie but not yeah. in any means all of it uh, oh yeah because well, because really this is all about uh fraud yeah. <laughs> yes oh my god it's, a, it's about it's a, a scam it's a con well and and um another it's brilliant like oceans too yeah the the, <laughs> the con is actually based on it's kind of an amalgam of of things uh, Bill Brooks saw when he was working in theater is uh, he knew one guy who uh, would like uh, seriously oversell the productions who, who and defraud the demo. investors and he knew another guy who would get all of his funding by sleeping with little old ladies and all of it's true. <laughs> I mean... Just not all the same person. Just not all the same person. Or yeah. Well, no, he said he, according to Mel Brooks, it's not. It's not. He's just just trying to cover his tracks because it could have been Mel Brooks. Everybody in the theater knows that it's like this one guy and he does all these things, and Mel's just actually poking at him, but he just doesn't want to admit to it. That's (laughs) my And probably (laughs) just one guy sitting in his little producer's chair in New York, just fuming, God damn, Mel Brooks. And then when it was made into a musical, he was just like, (laughs) He's like, He did it to me again. (laughs) He's still sitting there seducing old ladies. It's like the one person that Mel Brooks hates the most in the whole entire world. just builds all of this around him. I feel like the person he hates most in the entire world is, you know, Hitler. Hitler, which well, is fair know. for I mean, you know fair a, for, a New York Jew. For, yeah, yeah, it really. seems it seems pretty it's son of immigrants. Yeah. Pretty logical, actually, when you think yeah. about it. There uh, were a lot of Jewish people in this movie, by the way. There are. I, mean, <laughs> I can't. Is was Gene Wilder Jewish? I, yeah. Um. His his real name's Jerry Silberman. So yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he's yes. from Milwaukee though he's not he's not he's from not Milwaukee. a New no. York no. Jew no uh, Israel Mastel was a New York Jew definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so Brooklyn oh my God <laughs> <laughs> yeah Mel Brooks uh, his real name's Melvin Kaminsky Zero Mastel's real name is Samuel Joel Mastel uh, yeah lots of lots of stage names here but yeah which is you know yeah. that's that's pretty much standard mm-hmm. um. And by the way, you were saying earlier that uh, Mel Brooks also produced the producers. He did not. I, my bad. He did my not. Bad. Liar. My bad. No, he he actually worked for scale on I this. I kept meaning to say directed, and I don't know why I kept saying yeah. produced. Well, he definitely directed He did it. direct it, and it was and, his and first he, directing job. Yeah, and he had a line in the movie. He did, even though he didn't appear. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that was his voice. That was his voice. He don't dubbed. be stupid, be a smarty. Come yes. and join the Nazi party. Yep. Yeah. That's and him. I he becomes a regular in his films after mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. after this one. But uh, in this one he just gets that little cameo which isn't even him. Yeah. But but on on the in the stage play when when you actually see the musical on stage um, they pipe in that line by Mel Brooks and they just lip sync it. Aww. It's so great. That's I, awesome. I, I, I did they do that in the movie? I can't remember. I bet they did. 
the in in the musical? in the in the movie version of the musical. Oh, the the, the Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane one, right? Yeah, I don't know. I. I, mean, I, I imagine if they're doing it on stage, they do it in the I movie, too. I guess we'll too. just have to watch that one, though, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. someday. Someday. We're going on a we're going to be going on a Mel Brooks kick, as I as I teased earlier. Yes, so. yes, definitely. So we might get to the producers. At some point. But Barb can't watch it because she's already seen it. <laughs> well, I could watch it. Maybe I haven't I'll seen it. Oh, what? You? Oh! I haven't seen oh. that version of the producers, no. Oh. I just changed my mind on what we should do next. Are we watching the remake now? Maybe we should just do that. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Okay, don't know. okay we'll, we'll make a decision later. We're, we'll, we'll figure it we'll out. We'll make it by the end we'll of the, the episode. Because okay. I have to make it by the end of the episode. <laughs> All right, fine. So, uh, fine. M- Melissa, while uh, I'm checking uh, Barb's availability to see if she can actually do this <laughs> next one, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the producers? <laughs> All right. Well, um <laughs> It was a rather low-budget movie, you know, kind of, and, you know, rather modestly made, yes. Uh, There was one delightful special effect at the very end. (laughs) Yes, the explosion is like, ooh, (laughs) wow, (laughs) there's not much there. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stories floating around about who they cast and when and why. And uh, at one point, Dustin Hoffman was going to be cast as Franz Liebchen. Or Liebkind, the the crazy German the crazy writer, German. The, the German crazy. But who, by the way, uh, Dustin Hoffman is Jewish. So mm. there you go. So, so I don't know of the actor who played Franz Liebkind. We sh- I should check that out. That's uh, the, Kenneth Mars. By the way, uh, that's Kenneth Mars, as also known as the Inspector in Young Frankenstein. <laughs> also, uh, 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 Roger Ebert said it was one of the funniest movies ever made. So okay, okay, he did parse that. He did, yeah. So um, anyway, Hoffman did not wind up being cast in this movie because he got the role in The Graduate, which uh, features Anne Bancroft, who was uh, Mel Brooks's wife, and Mel Brooks only let. Hoffman go audition for The Graduate because he had read the script because of his wife and figured that Dustin Hoffman was completely wrong for the role, so he let him audition, but he got it anyway and could not be in his movie. Fail. So so basically, we have Mel Brooks to thank for Dustin Hoffman's career. Uh, we have Mel, Mel Brooks's wife, <laughs> too. Well... Both of them. Yeah. I mean, they were... Okay, so Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft were married for, like, forever. Yeah, and... they, 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 their marriage ended when she passed away. Yeah. yeah. They, they were one of those successful Hollywood marriages. Aww. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know, right? And Anne Bancroft's super cool, too. Uh, also... We will eventually watch The Graduate. I'm sure that's going to happen. Oh, I'm sure we will. And let's see. So Kenneth Mars got that role. And Kenneth Mars... Uh, Actually, like, to get into his character, he actually slept in his costume with the helmet and everything. So and here's my question. <laughs> I, can, I can envision that costume being slept in. The helmet would be very uncomfortable. Did he sleep in the costume in his pigeon cage? I don't think so, but... Wow. But after hiring him, uh, pretty much everybody else on set thought he might actually be disturbed. <laughs> but you know, Kenneth I, Kenneth I, Mars, you know, method actor man. He's oh yeah, committed. yeah, yeah. Well, he he later in life he became quite the um, 
the cartoon voice actor. Mm. So he's also Triton in The Little Mermaid. Really? Well, yes. And uh, he, I, I have no evidence as to whether or not he he was Jewish, by the way. And his voice is uh well he he also voiced about a billion land before time movies because there are about a billion, billion. land before time movies mm. was he ducky i want him to be ducky <laughs> you, he was the uh, grandpa or something he like was that. grandpa long neck yeah see i don't know the Gunther. land before time yeah I, I don't know a lot about it. i'm just reading it because i was looking him up to see if he was in ducky fact was my favorite Jewish. he's a platypus he's um is he a platypus he's something know. like that. he's a something <laughs> He's a something. He's my favorite. But he was King Triton. That's absolutely accurate. Yes, he was. So uh, also we had Mr. Hewitt or uh, uh, Christopher Hewitt from Mr. Belvedere, Mr. Belvedere. as yes. as Roger Debris. Um, also In revisiting. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, the Roger Debris character is based on Ed Wood. Nice. Right. Yeah. That was a moment where you're like, oh, our attitudes about such things have changed. Yeah, really. Um, and that's something that's kind of a recurring thing in earlier Mel Brooks movies that cross-dressing is still funny. and Which is fascinating know, because to divert for just a moment, yeah. I recently uh, watched a play uh, as part of the Minnesota Fringe Festival in which near the end – an actor came on the stage dressed as a woman, and it was a man. Uh, and it was in t- the entire joke mm-hmm. was that it was a man playing a woman. Yeah, that was that was the joke. And you're just sitting there going, "Really? This is 2018. Mm-hmm. This w- had this hasn't been funny for 30." At least twenty years, mm-hmm. uh, and and I and I and I, I even I, I even afterwards I was talking to the people that I watched the play with, and I was like, okay, I don't want to be insensitive. So before I say anything, I'm going to regret. Am I correct that this is not just somebody who is a transgender person, a transgender woman who just presents especially male? Which I don't want to be insensitive to that person if that's yeah. who they are. And everybody's like, no, I think that was just supposed to be a guy in a dress. And I was like, okay, mm. okay. Then it was horribly offensive and I can't believe they did it. Yes. <laughs> uh, because it was just a, a transgender actress who presented very male. I'm like, then I'm not going to knock on her mm-hmm. for that tasteless yeah. decision because it's not tasteless. Right. Um, it, it, it's it's something that didn't read right on stage. Right. right. But no, but, it was a guy in a dress. In a dress. And that, playing and a that woman. The and the joke was, ha ha, we got a guy to play this woman. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wow. So, so when you're watching The Producers 1967, the year I was born, 50 years ago, and you see the director in a dress and that's the joke that he is a cross-dresser mm-hmm. uh, or or zero mastel mocking the the kind of the the uh, the prancing of yes the, of the, carmen guia <laughs> which which we will uh, i think with uh, mel brooks be talking about a little bit about the the homophobia elsewhere although it certainly is present in this movie so mm-hmm. i mean as good as the movie is there are certainly problems and that was that was one of them when i watched that this time i was like oh yeah. Yeah. There's that, that bit. That said, I I kind of love the Carmen Ghia character. Yeah. I love the I, body language I of that loved that how actor. He was just like, 
it, when they're in the extremely tiny elevator, he was just like, hello, and just got all up in their business as yeah. much as he could and was just like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> and and, and as, it's like, I've got a monocle. I don't quite know what to do with it, <laughs> but here's my <laughs> monocle. <laughs> you can be darn sure I'm going to. I have a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> and Christopher Hewitt. Was owning that dress. I will just say, uh, yeah, 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 it's amazing. <laughs> and I, well, I, I shouldn't talk about the musical since I believe we're going to be watching it soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what, what else do we have on on your sheet of trivia? Well, let's see. Um, also, in the movie, we have Dick Sean, who played LSD, and that's oh a, God. and that is a. Is something that's left out completely in the musical version because hippies kind of went out with the hippie movement. Doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that 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 joke is com- completely left and yet to it's the still time. It, pretty but, damn funny. And it's still uh-huh. Dick Sean, Dick Sean <laughs> being this really bizarre comedian of the day. He was he was kind of like the. Uh, Oh God! I don't even know how to describe him. He he like just had Andy a Kaufman like style, not quite as Andy Kaufman as okay. Andy Kaufman, but I'm I'm trying to think of um I'm it's not coming to me. But he was in a mad 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 world, and um he was more known on stage than he was in movies. Um in 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 fact, Zero Mustel on Broadway had a long run as uh the lead in something funny happened on the way to the forum. I've heard and, of that. And Dick Sean replaced him on Broadway. Oh. So, but, but he was, but Dick Sean was this amazing, he, he started touring with this, um, kind of this one man show where he would do a lot of pantomime and really bizarre comic acts. And then like during intermission, he would lay on stage completely motionless as if he were dead. And then get up and do Why? the second act. Yeah, I, very God, odd. I would ball. have loved to see him. Very oddball. Yeah. And so in this, he played a LSD, hippie, <laughs> a hippie playing Hitler. Mm-hmm. Which, a hippie mm-hmm. playing Hitler. Hippie Hitler. <laughs> yeah, Hitler. there, there are so or many. Or would it be Hippler? <laughs> <laughs> Hippler <laughs> with the Campbell soup can around. With the Campbell right. soup can. I still don't understand. Like I, I kept well, expecting well, him to like I'm put his flowers I'm virtually positive. In there? I'm virtually positive it was a reference to Andy Warhol. Well, yeah, I mean, probably. That's kind of what I, think, I was thinking. I think it was like ah, uh, you know, because Andy Warhol was kind of a hip hippie artist. Well, yeah, he was um, the the kind of that art vanguard. Yeah, so sort maybe of thing. maybe that was that. I, I mean, I don't know. It just it feels that's... like it feels like the most logical. Explanation for the Campbell mm. soup can. Or it could just but perhaps be, there is no logical explanation for the Campbell soup can. It could be Dick Sean finding a can backstage and, and just going, putting it around I'm his neck. Wear and going, I'm going to wear this. Mel Brooks going, go with it. And I don't know why, but when, when the camera zooms out and you actually see him full length <laughs> with the three girls behind him as this backing band who come out of nowhere and those boots... Those boots I find hysterically funny for some you, reason. Because that man is like all leg and he just exaggerates it with those boots. <laughs> it's amazing to me. Do you realize that if uh, they had cast any of those other actors as Hitler, the show would have flopped? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they all were just too serious. Yeah. And it's like, well, if he's the worst director in the world, shouldn't he have 
Uh, I, I don't know. No, yeah, I mean, if they really wanted it to flop, they should have cast the guy who auditioned with Wandering Minstrel Eye. I think. Oh, yeah, that would have been. Or the guy with the heavy, heavy New York accent. That would have been good. I, any of them. <laughs> any of them. Because, uh, because they would. Haben das Deutsche Band. Because they, they, they wouldn't have been funny enough to convince the audience that it was parody. Yes. Um. It, it's true. I mean, how great is that shot of the entire audience just, <laughs> just ending up and leaving? At the, at, the end, <laughs> no, just at the end of the song, and they're all just sitting there like mouths agape, like, what the fuck just happened? And then one guy starts clapping and they all beat him. Like, you d- <laughs> I did enjoy, like, the brief, like, you know, kind of like the hear no evil scene. It's like the guy, like one guy's covering his eyes, his, the other guy's no, like ears and then the mouth. And it's just like, yeah. you know, for a guy who has, <laughs> who has no experience directing, and there's certainly some amateur directing mistakes, well, Mel yeah. still did a decent job. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, framing a lot of it. I, I think, uh, you know, that's pretty remarkable when you consider that he had. No experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's maybe where you get the really terrible special effect of the theater bro- blowing up. Yes. <laughs> uh, perhaps. But uh, there are other areas where he, he did well. And I think like that shot of that audience where he got that entire crowd. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, he did some good things. And some sh- a, a lot of what they shot in the musical number, in the springtime for Hitler musical number, mm-hmm. which is just like so over the top. You, you know. The, the woman with the pretzels. <laughs> The, the, one was a pretzels and the other one was a beer. Yes. And they, you know, they they at compliment. The same time. They came down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was so wonderfully Be- done. And I was because like, it was oh, Germany. Oh, I want a big giant squishy pretzel now. <laughs> made, it made you hungry. Hungry for a pretzel and beer. Or in my case, beer cheese because I don't like beer. But I like mm-hmm. beer cheese. Beer and cheese and pretzel. Beer mm. cheese soup that you can dip a big pretzel? Sure, I'm in. With beer. What else do we have to talk about, <laughs> Melissa? You can have all the beer. beer. Um, I'm th- eat the beer cheese. This this movie won an Oscar for best screenplay. Best screenplay, which surprised Who the holy hell out of Mel Brooks. <laughs> what was that? Who was it up against? Um, no one? in '67. Let me look it up. You, that's it. That's while a good while thing you're talking, I will look it up. Uh, I believe Gene Wilder also got nominated for an Oscar. Was as there, as uh, best supporting actor, was there anything about the score or choreography? Oh, there should have been, but no, I don't think so. But when this finally became a full blown musical in two thousand one, it was a smash hit. Of course, as Obviously. as we know, uh, it ran for two thousand five hundred and two performances and won four, won twelve. Tony Awards, which I believe was a record breaker, which it also was. which also means that Mel Brooks is one of the very few people who have an EGOT. He has <gasps> Emmys, Grammys, Tonys, and Oscars. Yes, yeah, he is, as they say, the man. He is. He is or certainly a man. He is a man um, who has who made has a lot of EGOT. great things. Who I'm has looking EGOT? up. I'm looking up the uh, screenplay written directly for the screen. The winner was the producers. That was up against Faces eh. uh, by John Cassavetes. The Battle of Algiers. Oh, oh my God. Hot Millions, which eh. uh, we've all heard of. And this is the one that's going to blow your mind a little bit. 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> what? 
It had like four words in it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the screenplay is about what's on the screen. I don't know. I'm well, I know, I know, I know, I know. And also, Battle for a G- it's a fucking amazing movie. Okay. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> but but the apparently producers. the producers is a it, it is it's a smart screenplay. It it's a smart it's, screenplay. It's really fun. That's uh, the year, by the way. Peter O'Toole lost the Oscar for *The Lion in Winter* to Cliff Robertson in *Charlie*. The hell! So, <laughs> God damn it! And Gene Wilder was up for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Who beat him? Uh, Jack Albertson in the subject was *Roses*. So there you go. There you go. I remember Gene Wilder much better. I, uh, well, you know, we just watched <laughs> the movie, so it's I pretty, I mean, I feel I'm like. I'm hysterical. And I'm wet. I'm in I'm pain. I'm hysterical. <laughs> I'm in pain. And I'm wet. And I'm, and I'm wet. hysterical. He's, I'm Luke Lanky. Apparently he was like dead tired during that day, and Mel Brooks just hopped him up on caffeine and sugar and let him go. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah, uh, this was. I've got an idea, Gene. It's gonna work. Here, here's what we're gonna do. I can't remember. I think this may have been Gene Wilder's first movie. He, he was certainly green, and so when he got cast, um, or when when Mel Brooks wanted to cast him, he had to, um, he had to pass the Zero Mostel test. Like Zero Mostel would only work with him, and if he got to meet him and like him, uh, but apparently. It all went well. Excellent. Well, good. Yeah. Yay. And apparently Zero Mustel uh, took him under his wing and and uh, treated him very well over the years. They became good friends. Unlike Zero Mustel and Mel Brooks. Yeah, they didn't. They they wound up working fine together, but they weren't. They kind of clashed. They clashed. They Personality clashed. wise. They were. They were just not. They were they were their oil and water mm-hmm. in movie terms. They were each other's own titans. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it's yeah, else. Clash of the t- I got that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Something else I uh, thank you. I caught on this viewing when they're reading the scripts. <laughs> they open. I think it's Zero Mostello opens one and says Gregor Samso woke to find himself. I know. It was a metamorphosis. It's a metamorphosis by Kafka. And he's like, no, it's too good. It's, it's too like, good. Yes. yes, it yes, is. It's too good. <laughs> it's the metamorphosis. What it has are you a, guys talking about? The metamorphosis has, by the way, been turned into a play. So. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Franz Kafka wrote the metamorphosis about a guy who turns into a cockroach. It's really dark and depressing. It, it's very German. Okay. Yeah. yeah, or should I say, Yavol. 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 But not in a Nazi way. I want to make it clear that I'm just, it's just German. Yavol, but not in the Nazi not way. Not Nazi, not, not, not Nazi German. Asterisk. There are plenty of non-German, non-Nazi Germans these days. Lots yes. of them. And it, many of them... All have not had the opportunities to see the producers because it, was it depicts it depicts Nazis it depicts Nazis and they can't show Hitler and Nazis in Germany actually there, there's some debate about that I don't think it was actively banned but uh, producers passed on it they, they but didn't it wanna... did it did later get shown yeah. as part of like showcases of Jewish filmmakers yes oh, <laughs> so it was okay when they were all oh, 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 it's made by Jews. Mel Brooks is a Jew. Oh, <laughs> it's then, then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Ex- 
except Downfall is a German film. Yeah. Right? I, uh, my head hurts. Maybe it's changed. Maybe, uh, anyway. There, there's some very specific laws about. There are. And, and we're not going to talk about those today. No, we can but talk about is, them when we watch Downfall, which is an amazing is, movie. It is. This is how a real education works as we sit around and we go on these tangents that have nothing yep. to do with the movie we watch. Well, we're talking about Nazis. This is relevant. And That's I true. learn about movies that I don't know exist. Downfall. It's <laughs> Downfall. a movie that exists. It is one of the great movie memes of all time. But anyway, it is. It is. it's also a really good film about Adolf Hitler. Um, yeah. Not I about. did not see that last two words coming. It's a really good film about about Adolf Hitler. Death and downfall. The downfall of Adolf of Hitler. Adolf Hitler. That, that makes that. a little more sense. Has now. that? Yeah. yeah. Has that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, we're getting close to final thoughts, <laughs> Melissa. What do you have? Uh, what do you have to offer that we have not discussed yet? So you might have noticed the 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 line "Achtung, baby" shows Achtung, up. Achtung, baby shows up in this movie, and yes. That is the name of a U2 album. And yes, <laughs> this is where it comes from. <laughs> and it bothers me that, that somehow on that U2 album, they did not do Springtime for Hitler. Because if ever there was a band that should have covered that song, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. U2. I don't mean that. I can't even think of a way that U2 <laughs> would effectively cover that song. There would be a lot of really echoey guitars. It would be, it would be quite possibly the worst song that you two had ever done and and that in itself is kind of a glorious concept <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll just have to go with their album being pulled directly from the script of the producers yes. well done to the members of you two <laughs> bravo bravo <laughs> Bravo Bono. <laughs> okay. Because so, it was probably Bono's idea. I mean, bro- let's face oh, it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, so I've got a little bit more Bill Burke's trivia because I love it. Um, so okay. So he, he served in World War II. Uh, he was a corporal in North Africa, and he was a guy who, who disassembled landmines in North Africa. Which kind of amazes me. And then he, ca- he came So he back- should have known something about explosions. That's what you're telling us right now. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> And the fast fuse. <laughs> fast fuse versus the slow fuse. And, and then um, uh, he came back and he started working as a drummer in the Catskills. And uh, from there he Makes went into total comedy. Sense. He, he learned how to play drums from jazz legend Buddy Rich. What? How did... And yet... I want to know how that happened. Right? And yet... And yet he made Dracula dead and loving it. I don't I know. Understand. I know. I don't understand. And, and he produced Solar Babies. <laughs> Actually, by the way, okay, okay. I keep ma- ragging on Solar Babies. It is a truly hellacious, terrible movie, and it's kind of great if you're into that sort of thing. But um, the podcast, how did this get made? Actually, contacted Mel Brooks and talked with him for like an hour about making Solar Babies, and it's what? one of the greatest things ever. Because Mel Brooks would talk about it. Yeah, I'm yeah. You sure call him works. up on the phone. And he'll talk with you about well, anything. His apparently. wife passed away a while ago. He's he's home alone. He's bored. Well, yeah, he's he's besties with Carl Reiner. They're both widowers now, so they, oh, they so both hang out. The two of them just hang out and yeah, you know. probably just talk yeah. and all talk. night. Yep. I want. So let me I tell you why I produce Solar Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Carl's heard this story fourteen times. <laughs> he also produced The Elephant Man, which is much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's it's true. It's true. It's true. All right. Any <laughs> any any uh, really important nuggets before we move to final thoughts? Oh, oh I've got a couple of good ones about 
Well, Zero Mastel uh, was actually kind of an accomplished painter. And like when he <laughs> he was called in front of the House on American Activities Committee to name names. And he said, I'll talk about myself all I want, but my religion prevents me from naming names. And he went down. He he was on the blacklist. He didn't work for 11 years in movies. And so while he was doing that, he was actually selling paintings to stay afloat. And, um, but eventually he went back on stage and became... Uh, became Zero Mostel. Became Zero Mostel. The fiddler on the roof. Yes. And he married a Rockette, which pissed off his parents because she was Gentile. Oh, and... Zero. <laughs> and as you might expect, he was like super mega incredible liberal. Huh. Way liberal. Huh. Hard to believe after getting blast yeah. blacklisted for 12 years. Yeah, that something like that. Also being a New York Jew. Anyway. Yeah, funny that. I mean, and, and he drank so much caffeine, he was once hospitalized for caffeine poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but that's a, that's a thing? Oh, yeah. Apparently. Caffeine has a half-life of 24 hours in the human body. Don't drink that much of it. Just be careful. Just be careful. That's what you're learning. You're learning you, something you can, today, You can overdose on caffeine. I feel like I have so many friends that I need to tell that to. <laughs> it's too late. I for mean, them. you you can build up a tolerance <laughs> it for it, but late. there is a limit. <laughs> it's too late for them. All right. Yeah. I think it's time for final thoughts, okay. Barb. We need your final thought. Um, I guess my final thought is at the very beginning of the movie, Max literally gives away all of his secrets and nefarious plans to this dude that he literally just met like 30 seconds ago where it's, I sleep with all these ladies and they give me money. Well, it's pretty clear that Gene I mean, Wilder's character isn't going to reveal that information. Mm-hmm. I guess. He's a man who I walks don't know. around with a blue whoopee in his yeah. pocket, right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but it is a good point. He didn't know at that point in time that he was basically crazy and kind of hermit-like and not doing anything with his life because people apparently never even called him by his first name. You're right. He takes a major risk. Exactly. He does take a major risk. You're right. Mm -hmm. Melissa, final thoughts. You might notice there hasn't been a tragic death. No. <laughs> no, there hasn't. But is there one? Yes, Dick Sean. So I was talking about he had oh, this... Yeah. this uh, the, he would tour around and do these shows where he, it would be just his comedy and he'd do pratfalls and things like that. Uh-oh. He like literally died on stage. <gasps> wow. He had a heart attack while performing a show, went down, like with perfect comic timing, apparently, and everybody laughed on it. And the the stage, you know, the stage Did, manager and the, the stage hands were used to him doing crazy shit during his shows. They thought it was part of the they show. They thought it was part of the show. <sighs> you know, that doesn't sound tragic. That sounds like kind of perfect. I know, right? For the yeah. audience, it might have been traumatic. Yeah. But for him, it must have been the greatest The, the best way to go. Yeah, the best way to go ever. So, And, and mean... William Shatner saw the second to last performance of that. And, and he often talks about it uh, like at conventions and stuff. It's like, that's the way I want to go. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Okay, so my final thought. Yes. Just... Um, you know, there's there there there's a few. It, it, Mel Brooks is not known for subtlety, but one of the, the the subtle moment that I enjoy in this film is is after uh, Max and Leo have gone to to purchase the play and they leave and they both have that that Nazi 
armband. <laughs> and Max. I don't want to wear this anymore. And Max, who absolutely has struck you as somebody who will do anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. No matter how ashamed it might make him. And yet they both throw their armbands in the garbage can and they both spin on it. And I just yeah. like that. Yeah, he does. Okay. He does. And I like that moment. I only moment. saw Leo. Yeah. Leo does it much, very, very deliberately, but Max also does it. And it's mm-hmm. just one of those moments where you realize even Max, even Max, who. <laughs> There's a limit. Has a, has a limit to how much he will tolerate. So I liked that moment. So uh, this has been, we've talked about the producers, and uh, we have on the fly determined that Barb is available for our next episode. So our next episode, we are going to watch The Producers. (gasps) Yay! I'm so excited! Um, And this time it will be a movie that Barb and I have seen. I get to play but, the Melissa part. Yes, but you do. Melissa has not. <laughs> I'm so, um, so excited. I'm going to start doing research now. Yeah, uh, when it, when is... I saw it on stage, it was not with it was not with Nathan Lane or Matthew Broderick. So that is something I I feel is gap in my life. <laughs> I would have loved to seen the original Broadway show. So this is as close as I can get. So this is not uh, the order we planned. We are going through a little bit of a. Mel Brooks cycle, which is unusual for us. Usually, we'll we'll not stay on a director for that long. But well, we did how many James Bond movies? We did do the Bond movies, but those weren't direct. Those were all yeah, different directors. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So uh, we are going to watch the producers next, and then we're going to cycle back, and we are going to do uh, Mel the, sort of the the completion of the Mel Brooks Gene Wilder trilogy by watching Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. Yes. So you have that to look forward to. But if uh, you're not looking forward to that, well, then uh, come back four episodes from now. And uh, we'll be talking about something else. So thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.